It's now time for an in-depth look dedicated to all things pertaining to the New York Red Bulls, tackling all of the latest news and happenings both on and off the pitch. This is the Fall of Bulls Podcast. We look back at the Red Bulls' first defeat of the 2017 MLS season to the 2016 champs in Seattle and preview their upcoming match at Red Bull Arena against wounded Real Salt Lake. We'll also discuss the decision by MLS to play games during the international break. Hello, Red Bull fans, and welcome to episode four of the Full of Bulls podcast for the 2017 New York Red Bulls campaign, alongside Alfredo Fumasas and the infamous Cristiano Oliveira. I am Mike Corbett. Very few people to take time to listen to us this evening or this morning if it's on your commutes. We're going to take a look back at last Saturday's match at Seattle and prepare you for Saturday's nationally televised game on Unimas vs. Real Salt Lake at Red Bull Arena. Also, be sure to follow us on our Twitter page at FOBS Podcast, on Instagram at Full of Bulls, and find us on Facebook and subscribe on iTunes. Gentlemen, how are we doing this weekend? Everything's good, Mike. Everything's good. I know it's kind of tough to to roll off the tongue, but we're doing fantastic. Uh, Sadly, though, we're here to talk about the Rebels, and they're not doing as well as we're doing right now. I'm doing well. That's good. And, uh, I mean, uh, uh, come on, let's not uh, set the bar on a fire. Yeah, just, just it's one loss. It's uh, uh, on the home field of uh, the MLS Cup champion, defending champion, I should say, and the holder in title. Uh, it's a banner hoisting uh, ceremony, and it's also 45. 45- 600 but you know the, uh, in attendance that ceremony was just sort of meh you know they 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 just the banner was just already up there so they just pulled the tarp off it and they had um evans he came out with the other guy who's retired i forgot his name too <laughs> but they just came out like yeah here's the cup that was it it wasn't there wasn't anything big no, no pyrotechnics yeah you know? I, they, I they, didn't re- they didn't invite cristiano out there i mean I how, think- how big of a ceremony was it then Huh? I, I think that this the celebration and the party was uh, bigger when they were walking through the seats to the streets of Seattle with the cup yeah. up until the to the stadium. I thought that was a, a, a more noticeable and and cooler party than it was to uh, to unveil the banner. Still, the, the unveiling of the banner is always a symbolic uh, yes. for them. Yeah, I'd, I'd always think when the Yankees would win, they'd always they'd usually bring some old you know, some old Yankees from the past, and they go out to the flagpole and they raise the banner up. Definitely a moment that that their fans won't soon forget. But guys, let's get back to yes. this. Though. Let's get back to the game. And it was really hard. And it was really it was really hard for me to watch this freaking game over the past weekend because I, for one, I don't know about the rest of you guys, and and I've been I've been very critical of this throughout the years on Twitter, and I know some guys give me a lot of slack on this, but listen, I can't stand the game that's played on turf, and to me, it was very hard to watch this. And yes, the banner hoisting was beautiful, and the fans and everything was beautiful, but as a soccer game on a terrible, uh, you know, BS turf field. It, it was just an ugly, ugly game for me. Yes, and we'll get into that. Obviously, talking about the turf, the turf monster. It's uh, the turf. It sort of looks a little bit like a Muppet in one of your ex-girlfriends, Cristiano. And that sort of uh, helped Seattle in the first goal, where you had the the back pass from Perinel going back to Robles, to Luis Robles. And it sort of took. Um, well, it wasn't the, the cleanest of passes. Jordan Marsh jumped in there. You call that a pass, Mike? <laughs> I call that a terrible attempt. Yeah. <laughs> well, either way, it didn't work out for the Red Bulls. Robles come out to play it. Foul Jordan Morris. Deuce comes back. Clint Dempsey puts the 
penalty past them, and they're down one nothing there in the 28th minute, and that's how it went into halftime. Red Bulls did draw even 57th minute. Salzizo, uh, we'll get into his performance in a moment, but he did have a great cross into the box of BWP, Bradley Wright Phillips. He had said in the past he's not really known for his heading skills, but he, he headed that one home off the post and in. They drew level, and you're thinking, all right, here are the Red Bulls. So you can maybe at least come out of this game with a point. And then nine minutes later, I mean, there, there's there's so many things you could say about that second goal by the uh, the Sounders. It had everything. It had nutmegs. It had great passing, awful defending. And then in the end, Jordan Morris, um, the golden boy, U.S. boy, puts it home, 2-1 lead. And uh, Sounders never looked back after that. They added another one in the 79th minute. Uh, the Red Bull killer, he's turning into Harry Ship. He always seems to score back against the Red Bulls. He deflected a shot. Robles going the other direction, went in the net. 3-1 final, and um, that's where we're at right now. Red Bulls, they saw their winning streak, their regular season winning streak, and not winning streak, unbeaten streak since last July. I don't get really too caught up in that because a lot of that was done last year, and this year is its own entity. And plus, I mean, they did lose in the playoffs. But nonetheless, yeah. they uh, they finished one game shy of equaling MLS record. Still not too bad. So, well, Mike, to me, the the, the biggest thing for me, and as Cristiano has mentioned, was the turf for me, right? So the Red Bulls, um, alongside uh, the, their high pressing uh, game, the one thing that they're also known for is for the fast combinations, being that they have so many people in the midfield that could just basically combine. And, and trade passes in the midfield. And I think that the fact that uh, they played on turf, and this turf, look, it's not like the carpet that we used to have a giant stadium back in the day what made the ball super fast. This is a much slower turf. And I think that it, it really hurt the, the Red Bulls to be playing on this turf knowing how they usually play at home. I mean, uh, you were in the stands before the games at Red Bull Arena, uh, at halftime, those guys water the pitch. They make sure the pitch is nice and slick so the Red Bulls can trade passes quickly and with pace. And this was not the case um, for, uh, in Seattle, of course. And I think this hurt uh, the Red Bulls. I think the Paranel um, pass back to Robles is a victim of that. Uh, a guy that's used to the touch and knowing how the speed of the ball travels he really wanted a soft touch for for Robles to be able to come out and and grab or, or kick and it, it was too soft and it got caught the other thing is that uh in the first half the, the Seattle kept on putting balls past uh the the Red Bulls defense and the guys with speed Jordan Morris was able to catch up to those balls because it was almost like the ball had a backspin it would hit the turf and it would kind of lose some of the speed and the momentum so those guys with more speed than the defenders for the Red Bulls were able to get behind the Red Bulls defense and really get to those balls um Jesse March at the at the half he complained that the team was a little bit too high um in the second half the defense drops a little bit the defensive line drops a little bit and then they allow Seattle to play in front of the defense they don't give up the space behind the defense but now they're giving possession to to Seattle to combine and to find guys but I mean they've they've played on yes we could talk about turf being a factor compared to playing at Red Bull Arena I mean they did play on turf in Vancouver a few weeks before that so a lot of these guys they do have the experience so how is it you know yeah. is it just still early in the season that they're well, still getting used to the turf or well, is it just I, I think, look, first of all, I don't think any professional soccer game should be played on turf. I just but they are, get, and that's MLS, I and you have but to deal I, I want to get that out. I don't think they should be played on turf. That being said, I mean, this is a Red Bulls team 
that, let's be fair, guys, they're not playing exceptionally well here. I mean, they got two wins, two, you know, like the first win against Atlanta, just kicking off the season against the brand new team in the MLS. It was looked um, pretty good. <laughs> but 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 it was a game that again they failed to create a lot of chances. They got a little lucky on their own goal that Rice Phillips still today was still claimed that it was his goal. And then they come back to Red Bull Arena, open up their season at home, another own goal. And it again, now they go on the road once again to Seattle in a team once again that failed to create chances. I mean, the goalkeeper for Seattle had one save in the whole match. This is a team that's still not hitting on all cylinders. They didn't play exceptionally well. They had a little bit more possession, I'll give them that. But aside from that, it was just a lot of tiki-taka back and forth with a lot of nothing in between. And this is a team right yeah. now that's having problems creating chances. Yeah, I think that you we can't use uh, the turf to mask the Red Bulls' uh, inability to create and to play well, right? We know that since the beginning of the season, the Red Bulls adapted this new tactical formation, and mm -hmm. they have been struggling. And it isn't until they actually make the shift to the old formation that we start seeing a little bit of more Red Bulls. Uh, Sasha Kleshin uh, hasn't been his best, but how much of it is is because of his newfound position on the field? Uh, but he he's the guy that's supposed to be propelling this team, creating chances, uh, finding guys behind the defense, running into spaces, and this is not happening. And now that uh, the Red Bulls decide to change into the old formation halfway through the game, uh, it's helping out, uh, helping them out a little bit, but I just think in this situation it didn't help them at all. This is also a game we saw uh, for the third straight time. Obviously, Long had uh, no. I'm sorry, Parnell had the bad, bad back pass, but this is the third time we've seen them paired together. Uh, what have you seen so far that you think that this could be good going forward? This is going to be the permanent situation, or do you still have a lot of questions about the two of them together? I mean, we talked about this on last week's pod, Mike, and, and we thought that I think it's been pretty evident that Long and Perronel are the two, you know, Jesse Marsh's favorite two to start back there right now. I think that's the pairing he chooses to go with. And I, I got to give credit. I said it last week. I, I think Long's been played really well. I thought it was going to take him a little bit longer to adapt to the speedy MLS, obviously coming down from the Division Two USISL, whatever you want to call it. I thought it would take him a little bit longer. I think he's been impressive so far. So, yeah. and at, on the other end, I don't think Colin has been, you know, that good. So, really, no, a no-brainer for me. Yeah. This could be well, a good spot for Colin, just coming off the bench when they, yeah. when they need him. Well, I mean, he really hasn't, in Colin's defense, he really hasn't spent that much time on the field. Uh, he did play in a home opener. But I think it's—I think the center-back pairing is working well, and I think it's just a matter of who's going to stay fit, right? It's always good to have that guy in the back, especially uh, or in a, on the bench. Experienced player. He's been around uh, Europe, you, you name it, uh, the MLS. He's a guy that perhaps is not going to be a guy that's going to hold up throughout the whole MLS season. But he's a guy that could step in, play three, four games as the other guys get back into fitness. But right now, the way it's been going, and albeit take by Perinel, I think Perinel and Long have shown that they could play back there. Now, going from the center backs, though, obviously they lost Kamar Lawrence this past week. He was out for personal reasons. So they had to throw um, Bilyeu in there with Salzizo. You know, you could say that maybe they didn't have the best of matches on Sunday. Do you see that also being a long-term concern, uh, opposite of the center backs, but the the right and left backs? Yeah, I mean, uh, Lawrence, we know that Lawrence perhaps is not the, the, the best def defensive uh, fullback, but I think that what he lacks for defense defensive 
uh, positioning. Uh, he makes up with the speed. He's a guy that if he gets beat, he has the wheels to get back and defend the guy. Um, he's also decent going forward, albeit sometimes his crosses leave too much to, to be desired. And Salzizu is Salzizu. I think that everybody uh, knows in, in the limitations that Salzizu has. Uh, and if the Red Bulls didn't think that Salzizu has some limitations, you, they wouldn't have gone and gotten this guy, Murillo, the Panamanian international. So he's still getting acclimated to the Red Bull style. But I, I just don't foresee Salzizu going deep into the season as a starter. Look, I, I tip my cap to Sal. He's a guy that works hard week in, week out. But this is a guy that definitely has limitations on the defensive side. This is a guy that, don't forget, until last season, I believe he was a midfielder. Until all of a sudden, an injury to Duvall and everyone else in the back line. And they, they had to adapt him. And Connor Late as well was injured. They had to adapt Sizzle into, the, in, into that right back spot. And I, I think I think what he's done is you know commendable. But at the end of the day, he, he, look, there's, there's just too many gaps in between his game. At times, it seems like he gets... Uh, to rattle under pressure. He's out of position. But again, you have to understand that this is basically a brand new position for the guy. And and, and so it's going to take time. But with that said, I, I also agree with Alfredo. If they didn't think, if they thought that this guy was their answer to the right back position, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have brought in the kid Murillo. So obviously they, they know that there's, there's definitely room for improvement there. And at some point, this kid's going to either have to put up or shut up or South Israel just keep playing. As bad as it was losing 3-1, you always try to, when you look at the game from, try to look at it from both perspectives. What did you, you might have saw on Sunday where you could take away where, or this guy had a positive um, impact or this guy, after maybe a slow start, he got it going. Anyone uh, stand out to you from Sunday there, Alfredo? Yeah, I mean, I was uh, I was encouraged to see Goldbranson. To be honest with you, uh, we right. hadn't seen much from him in a in a home opener for the Red Bulls. I only paid played like two or three minutes, so it wasn't enough. Yeah. He played fifty seven this Sunday. Yeah, so I'm I feel encouraged by what he could bring to uh, to that front line. He's a guy that's quick, uh, seems to have good feet. A uh, guy that is also thinking the game and and reading the game and 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 moving into spaces where the the game needs him is still a guy that needs to get acclimated with his teammates with the movements of Bradley Wright Phillips. But I think he's a guy that could uh, add a lot to this team, especially to the front line. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to take for him to do that, but uh, you know he is a guy that I feel encouraged by, or that it's encouraging to see him. I should say. The other guys that uh, Royer, I thought he had had a, a couple, two good games uh, in the beginning of the season. Uh, he wasn't all that great uh, in this game. And and I don't know what it was. I, I, I don't know if it was the ball movement that it wasn't there. He just wasn't appearing in spaces and, and creating. Uh, he's a guy that likes to work off the ball. He just didn't seem like he was getting enough of the ball. And where he was appearing, he seemed to be clogged up and not really being a factor for me. How about Sean Davis? I know we've been talking about him early in the year, obviously, with the departure of Dax McCarty and with Sean Davis getting more and more playing time. We saw him struggle a little bit in the home opener, but he played the full fight 90 minutes. Uh, what, what did you see from him the, this Sunday? Anything that stand yeah. out in particular? I thought that out of the three games, this was perhaps Sean Davis's best game. Uh, and I don't know if because of the speed of the game in the midfield and the passing in the midfield had anything to do with it, but I thought he was a little bit more uh, focused uh, on what he had. Um, he seemed 
determined to to really improve on his performance. And I think that, uh, as I've said, out of the three games, this is perhaps the best Sean Davis. is not yet the Sean Davis that I would like to see, but is definitely an improved Sean Davis. And, and look, the Red Bulls are, are, are betting a lot of money on him uh, to be a, a, a figure in this team, and he really needs to step up his game. All right, so the Red Bulls lost their first game last Sunday, 3-1. to one. They come back home this week for week four. And before I want to get into the Real Salt Lake match, I want to get into the fact that we have an international break coming up this weekend, an international calendar schedule coming up. But yet there's six MLS teams playing this weekend, six out of the 22. And I want to ask the both of you guys, why are they playing when they're also these teams are losing their players to international duty where other teams get to sit out and not have to play this weekend? I, I, I think it's ridiculous. Cristiano, you want to? In years past, I asked Hans, what's his name, Baki? I forget his Baca. name. Baka and Mike Pecky about this question right now because I think it, it makes absolutely no sense to be playing MLS games during international breaks. When everyone else is on vacation, they're still playing these games and they you know they give it a BS story that they have to fit, you know, fit in the schedule and TV schedule and they have to fit in these games because – Yada, yada, yada. It just makes no sense. I mean, this week coming up, you have six teams yeah. in the whole league playing. Six of, what is it, 22, whatever it is yeah. now? Whatever. If they want to six say it's about business, it, everyone play. Everyone. If it's about business, everyone has to play. You can't just pick 16. I mean, you think about Nick Romano will be out for Salt Lake. For Salt Lake. The, you know, their goalkeeper, their rock back there. Sasha Kleshton will be out. Etienne will be out, and who's the other one? There was another one that's well, Mourinho. But uh, anyway, yeah, he might the, be playing against the United States. Yeah, on the Real Salt Lake side, you got the their playmaker Ruznak. Yes, from for Slovakian international. He's out. You know, they talk about the struggles. We'll get into the struggles with Salt Lake, but they're losing two of their top guys too. So I, it just it just baffles me where it's just you know MLS once again they just go. I can understand. During the summer, when you have the Gold Cup going on, they might shut it down for a week or two during the group, you know, the, the pool stage. And then once they get into the, the quarterfinals, semifinals, they start playing again. And how they did a few years ago with the World Cup, they shut down for about two, two and a half weeks, and they came back. They couldn't shut down the whole entire month. I get that. This weekend, it's ridiculous. Either everyone play and everyone, you know, lose their guys and be at a disadvantage. Or no one. I mean, this could have been a nice, you know, give everyone a break. All right, you start the first three weeks of the year. All right, then just shut it down for one weekend and then come back. You know, it it's still crappy it, weather in parts of the country. They're doing a perfect time just to, to sit out this weekend. It seems to me that at times the MLS does things contrary to what we're expecting, okay? It's contrary to what everyone else does around the world. When everyone else stops their leagues because their players are playing international duty, they're going to throw out six teams just because they want to rub it in your face. And, and, and at times, it like it just ticks me off. I don't get it. I don't understand why they do that. Listen, either everyone plays or no one plays. I mean, imagine the Red Bulls miss out on a playoff spot because or Salt Lake, either one of them, or, or any of the six teams that are playing this week, miss out on a playoff spot by one point because they were missing three key starters this weekend because they were out on international duty. How fair? I mean, is that fair? Imagine, like, you know, Salt Lake's got their full squad and the Red Bulls are miss missing their captain. Is that fair to the Red Bulls? It's not fair at all. Either everyone plays or no one plays. It's that simple. I don't get why they go opposite, but it is what it is with the MLS. One thing they might have a problem go going into this summer with the Red Bulls and then we'll jump to Salt Lake. You think with the Gold Cup coming up, and there's also 
World Cup qualifying, that's when the United States usually does uh, two different teams. They'll have a, you know, the A squad for the, the World Cup qualifying, which <laughs> that, that's a whole different story in its own. But then they usually put like a B or a C squad out for a Gold Cup. And you talk about some of the goalies. One of them might, who might be called in would be Luis Robles. He's been called into the U.S. a few times. And then you talk about his Ironman streak. His streak could be ended because the international play as the MLS keeps on playing on during a break, you know, during uh, the Gold Cup tournament. Alas, we can sit there and complain all we want. They are playing this weekend, this Saturday, uh, 4 o'clock p.m. on Unimas. Uh, by the way, I did check the weather for that. Um, according to Weather Channel, the weather in Harrison, New Jersey, at scheduled kickoff time, is supposed to be around 4 p.m., so probably around 4.15, whatever it is. 50% chance of rain, so you got to wear your hat, guys. However, the temperature should be around 60 degrees, and that's almost 30 degrees warmer than the home opener was two weeks ago. And we all remember that. I know you guys have a little, uh, Christiana, I know you have a little problems with, you're still getting the, the feeling back in your fingers from that. So at least it'll be a little bit warmer, but um, it's going to be a little slick. And Salt Lake comes in. They're still looking for their first win of the year. They opened the year with a draw, followed by two losses. They fired a coach, Jeff Kassar. Daryl Shore is in charge of them now for the interim basis. They are missing Kyle Beckerman due to suspension with red cards. Nick Romando and Rusnak are off on international duty. They have a lot of injuries. They did win the uh, matchup last year against Red Bulls. But Red Bulls have only lost once at home to Salt Lake. And you'd um, suspect that Red Bulls, even missing their guys, uh, should be able to get the job done on Saturday. Who do you think would... Um, benefit more with the other team's absences, the Red Bulls or Real Salt Lake? You talk about the Red Bulls losing Sasha, yeah. Rio, Etienne, Salt Lake losing their, their goalie, Ramondo, yeah. and Rusnak. Who well, I, maybe has the benefit in this one? There's a there's a few things going on here. So f for once, you know, if you if you take aside the international duty and, and both teams are at 100%, uh, Salt Lake has a lot of injuries right now uh, that – are, are kind of weakening this team. Uh, they also have uh, the, their post, their poster boy, uh, Kyle Beckerman, who has picked up a red card against the LA Galaxy. He won't be able to play, and he is the image of this Real Salt Lake. Uh, then you throw in uh, Nick Romando's absence and uh, Ruznak's absence, and uh, on the Red Bulls side, it, it's Sasha, yes, but I think that the Red Bulls have enough talent as a team to beat this decimated Real Salt Lake team. Uh, so I think that the Rebels really have the advantage, uh, uh, taking into consideration um, all the factors that come into play as the teams line up and as the coaches select an 11. Uh, I think that the Rebels are going to have that advantage. At the end of the day, this is a bad Salt Lake team. It's a team that scored one goal in three games. The Red Bulls absolutely need to win this game. I don't care if Sasha's missing. It, it, they have to win this game. The Red Bulls are the best they have the best home record in the league since the you know, since since the Red Bull Arena opened in 2010. 76 victories, 24 losses, 18 draws. And I'll interrupt you one second. They do have a, they still have a 15 game home unbeaten streak dating back to last season, where they've outscored teams 33 to 10. I was going to get to that, but you beat me to it. Great point on your part, and they've been impressive on the Jesse Marsh at home, 28 six and four. So there's no reason for a Red Bull team that will I agree will not be at 100, percent but still. There's no reason that they should not be a, a very weak, a very soft um, Real Salt Lake. Yeah. As, as Mike mentioned, uh, Salt Lake still uh, looking for their first win. 
uh, and you look at the the history between the two clubs um playing in new york or new jersey if you will and the rebels have won uh i've only lost once in the past nine meetings between the two teams so but mike the thing that worries me the most is the fact that they as you mentioned they fired jeff kassar and usually with a firing regardless of uh of being this early in a the season there's almost an immediate impact it impacts the team mentally uh you got a, a new coach coming in which they don't know yet and according to christian chris armis was asked to uh interview with them and chris armis declined but there's there's that impact where a lot of these guys salt lake might have not selected a coach yet but a lot of these guys know that they have a clean slate with jeff kassar leaving a lot of these guys uh as crappy as salt lake is they know they have a clean slate and they gotta prove themselves to the potential a new coach which may or may not be watching this team before he makes a decision yeah they always call it uh, the new coach bump yeah, i mean we've seen it in hockey several times this year where teams they they've they've taken off once they fired a coach a new one comes in yeah you can see some guys motivated maybe some guys are upset they got fired or some guys are, you know, are looking really saying hey good thing he's out of here well so i can play the way i want to play that's one thing you have to watch out for with Sasha being out, though, and we talk, you talk about the 4-2-2-2 formation, is this uh, something where maybe it's good he's out this week and you can see other guys in that formation and see see how different guys can step in and play different roles? Yeah, I think that's very possible. And I think that, and I might be wrong, but I think that this 4-2-2-2 may be better off with uh, without Sasha, to be honest with you. And again, uh, Jesse Marsh will get uh, another breath of fresh air into this new idea and this new tactical concept because uh, if the Red Bulls play well and they play well without Sasha, Jesse Marsh is going to think, well, if they we played well without Sasha, just imagine when Sasha's acclimated to the position and he's playing the way I need him to play. So that's the whole big thing. But I think that the Red Bulls will not go away from the 4-2-2-2. And I think that they will play in the same setup, just with different personnel. Let's hope Jesse picks up some <laughs> some new ideas at his coaching uh, course that he's at right now. And he, and he does have a second thought about that 4-2-2 that's not working right now. And hopefully they'll implement something that 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 the players will adapt to much better and, and therefore uh, start creating chance because this team this year, they're not the same team as they were last year. You see them really struggling to get clear-cut opportunities in front of the net. So it's got to be something. I mean, maybe it, maybe it's just that. Maybe it is just the formation. The guys are taking a little while to adapt to it. And you've seen them when they have changed the formation, when they've brought in new guys, you know, when they put in new subs, Grella's come in, and they have changed the formation. You have seen a change in the team, though. All of a sudden, you see all of a sudden now they are getting up. They are getting guys wide. They are getting balls into the box, whether they're putting them home or not. But you do see a little bit of a change. I'm just wondering how much more that can go on where if this is not going, you just keep on changing in the middle of each game. I mean, when do you finally say, I mean, how much longer do you go with? Well, I know? think that it's always good to have a plan B, right? But your plan B is never going to be as good as your plan A. The plan B or it shouldn't be. be. Right, it shouldn't be. It's gonna. The plan B is going to get you by, but your plan A is always what, you should be doing 
right? So if there's something that changes, you could change to a plan B. You're not going to sink totally, and you're still going to get by. Right now, with the way that we've seen the 4-2-3-1 work, I think that right now the the, the plans are a little bit reversed in Jesse Marsh's uh, plans. But I think that the, the more the Red Bulls play, he thinks that the Red Bulls are going to become more familiar with the system, and it's going to be something that, he's going to favor in playing the this new tactical formation rather than the 4-2-3-1. And then he could always resort to the 4-2-3-1, which is a plan that's been worked out within a lot of practice sessions, a lot of training sessions on the pitch. So I think that uh, it's always good to have that plan B and the plan B being as effective as it is right now for the for the Red Bulls. So you're saying this could just be something going forward where they're going to have two in, in the... Two in the bank, maybe a one and a one A, not necessarily a one B or a plan A and plan B. And it does seem like when they do switch to it, when Grella comes in with Mike Grella, and they said something on the broadcast the other day. I believe they said it was the first time in his career, in his MLS career, where he's gone three games in a row without starting. Do you think he gets in there this Sunday, uh, this Saturday, or do you think it's be something where he's going to go with this four-two-two-two formation again? And if things struggle, he brings Grella on the second half and switches things up. Uh, I think that Grella has enough uh, of a soccer brain uh, and of a touch to be playing uh, in the same position that Sasha's is playing, and albeit. Uh, Grella favoring a little bit more of the wing where he's got more space and won't have as many guys uh, challenging him. I think that he could play there. And I think he's a, right now he's a candidate to, to play in that uh, Sasha position. Cristiano, you want to talk about your boy, Grella Dino? No, I, I think out of all the options that they have on the bench, I mean, that's that's to me, that's the one that, that really jumps out. I mean, I think he I think he should be starting as is even before having cleshed mm-hmm. uh, out. So with him out, Cleshton, I should say Cleshton out, I, I still think that that um, Long Island Messi should absolutely get to start in his place this week. Who else were you guys looking for this this Saturday to really step in? Uh, maybe some guys who have started, haven't started. Who who would you like to see starting if if they are going to go with this 4 2 2 2 do you want to see um, Branson back in there? Do you want to see Mule come back in? Yeah, I think that Gold Branson is definitely going to be in there. I'm I'm excited I'm to, with BWP. Yeah, I'm excited to see him playing more time and now in front of the home crowd. Uh, I'm also looking forward to seeing BWP starting to score a little bit more uh, often and with regularity. Uh, but I think that uh, right now, I think Jesse's too set on his ways. I don't think that he's introducing anybody that we haven't seen yet into this lineup, to be honest with you. As you're talking about Jesse, he did miss practice on Wednesday and Thursday this week. He went to a coach's courses, which probably they host while during international break when teams aren't normally playing, except the six that are playing this week in MLS. He went to the U.S. Soccer Pro and the UEFA coaches' courses. Um, do you think this is much of a distraction for the Red Bulls this week, or you think eh, it's not too big of a deal? You know, they pretty much have everything set up the way they want to. The coach, is, you know, no. not just one, but two days, he's just going out, not not going to practice. No, not at all. I think that uh, over the the week, uh, we've seen uh, Felipe and a couple other guys being vocal about Armas and the way that Armas is running training sessions. Um, I don't think that uh, the guys missed a beat. I mean, look, it's good for the guy to get advancement, to get another 
license under him. I think this kind of sets up his future and something that we talked about in the be in the beginning when we, before the the season took off. But look, uh, I have nothing against the guy and trying to further further his career, right? Yeah, hey, but I did notice one class that he was going to was UEFA. We always, there was always the controversy with him in the offseason whether oh he was going to take a job over there or not. I guess it just could be overall just uh, type of guy he's always looking to probably want to learn more. It's yeah. not like with uh, Baca a few years ago we skipped out on the U.S. Open Cup match in Chicago back in 2012. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think that just because UEFA is uh, offering the, the, the training course – uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a coach that's aimed at, at training in Europe. Uh, it's a universal coaching license. It's just offered by uh, the European uh, football governing body, right? All right. Well, match this Saturday, 4 p.m. at Red Bull Arena. The Red Bulls look to get back on the winning track against the struggling Real Salt Lake team. They'll have to do so without their captain, Sasha Kleschen who may be playing against uh, Michael Murillo when uh, they play Panama. They had the U.S. had their qualifications coming up, too. They're a little bit struggling. That's pretty much it. Uh, Alfredo, any final thoughts about the game this Saturday? No, I'm, I mean, I'm just hoping that the Red Bulls get back on the on a winning track in, fr in, in front of uh, their home crowd. I'm also hoping that uh, Red Bulls fans show up more than that uh, home opener. And uh, maybe th this could be more of a home opener in terms of attendance uh, for the Red Bulls fans. That's the only thing. So do you think we put the word out there that Cristiano is going to be there signing autographs out on the boulevard leading up to Red Bull Arena? That will uh, affect the crowd. Yeah, that, that may very well be a factor. So it could spread, decrease the, spread, the spread the word, peeps. Cristiano, are you going to be out there this Saturday with us? I think it's more likely to affect the crowd if you put one of those uh, dunking uh, where you throw the saw and I sit over there, you throw the softballs and you dunk me in the pool. I, I think I think you might get more people for that than for autographs. Just yeah, but instead throwing of throwing it at the target, they'd be throwing it right at you. No, nah, but they got the net around me. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's protective, obviously. Yeah, I don't know. You, you get a fastball in there. They could, they could put it right in there on you. Okay, for Cristiano Oliveira, for Alfredo Fumasa, Sam Mike Corbett, it was uh, – Good talking to you people once again. Make sure to follow us once again on Twitter at FOBS Podcast, on Instagram at Full of Bulls, and find us on Facebook and Instagram. Take care, everyone. Have a good weekend. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at FOBS Podcast, on Instagram at Full of Bulls, and visit our Facebook page and subscribe on iTunes. This has been a presentation of the Full of Bulls Podcast. Thank you for listening.